We had people just come up and, and share briefly about just how they've been blessed by Freedom Fellowship through the years. You know, celebrating 10 years is a, a big deal. And what I'd like to do is, because I had a couple of people like, oh, I wish I would have got up and shared. Well, <laughs> over the next few weeks, we'll take one or two people. If any of you guys this morning would like to come up and just share briefly how church has been a blessing to you, uh, We'll do that right now, give you opportunity. If not, I'm going to share a little, I'm going to share regardless of who shares or not this morning, but I'm going to share personally a little bit, and then we're going to get into King Asa, as I told you guys last week in Second Chronicles 14, so you can open your Bibles there. But would there be anybody that would want to come share, maybe one or two people this morning, just how freedom's been a blessing to them personally? Sarah, we like Sarah. Here, we'll let you sit down. You want to sit or stand? All right. All right. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say that um, for those of you that don't know, um, a little over a year ago, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and this church just came, surrounded me, supported me with not only prayers, but they brought food to me and my husband, and um, just Steve Smiths came with Lizzie, and they sang. We sang together one Saturday afternoon, which was a huge blessing to me. And just knowing that you were all here and that you were all praying for me and that you loved me just was, a, um, it, it just got me through. I mean, I felt the love of God around me from the time I was diagnosed that the doctor actually said, you have cancer, to the time I walked back into this church with the hat on my head because I had no hair. Um, I just felt your love and your support and, and God's love and support through all of it. And I've never said thank you publicly to you all, but I do. I thank you so much, and I love all of you. Um, I never publicly stood before anybody and thanked them for all that they did for um, Aaron and her family, our family, and it was such a blessing. And that outpouring of love and support from everybody and so much to me and our family. and. Um, and it just continues on and on. And I'm so grateful and thankful to everyone and to God that uh, he's helping them through this. And they're standing so strong. And I know that at times they hurt. We all do at times, all of us, because uh, we all love John and Olivia very much. And yeah. Probably wouldn't have got through it without the Lord's help and with all you guys and everybody in the community and across the country. And yeah. So thank you very much.
Yeah. Um, for you guys who don't know, Rose's um, mom to John Stoffel and grandma to Olivia, who went home to be with the Lord a little over two years ago. They were murdered on the bridge in Menasha. Uh, a couple years ago, and I know, Aaron, you're going to be sharing on the third Sunday, I think it is, with our youth group, um, just about that. Um, Aaron was also shot that day, um, and she's, she's got a neat testimony. Really, the Lord, just every time you share about it, I just, the grace of God, and just the glory to God, and it's probably the most horrific thing anybody could go through in this life, but just seeing, like Rose, you just said, you guys standing strong and just God being faithful to the Stoffel family. That's one thing in this life, guys. There's good, there's bad. Our God is good regardless. He is faithful regardless. So I'd encourage you guys uh, to have your teens here. Uh, Maybe youth invite your friends uh, that evening, because I'm pretty sure you'll share the gospel in the midst of it too, right? <laughs> yeah, which will be good. Um, yeah, and for, well, let's turn to numbers first. Um, so we just heard from Rose and uh, spoke of John I want to share something with you guys that I haven't shared with a whole lot of people before, but there's a passage in Numbers chapter 4 that I actually shared with John Stoffel uh, many years ago before it came to pass in my life personally. Uh, He was one of my closest friends and a guy that um, very like-hearted in just caring about other people. Like That's one thing I loved about him and Olivia. They just loved people. You know, they really did, and um, just the impact that that has um, on others. It's all God calls us to do, doesn't he? Hey, love me with everything and love others. Isn't it so simple? We want to complicate life, but it is just that simple. But as we sit here this morning and we consider um, 10 years, And we're going to be looking into the life of Asen a little bit. And he was a man who I think we're going to be able to glean a lot from uh, this morning. Um, Great example of starting well. And a great example of not finishing well. (laughs) And to be honest with you, a lot of of what I've seen in the church through the years. I've learned a lot of what not to do. Not that I have it together or I'm perfect. There's a lot of things I've done which I wish I could go back and change, but I've learned from. We grow from. And just a part of the story, I want to share just a little bit of my story with Freedom Fellowship um, through the years. And part of it started um, way back in my 20s. God had spoken to me about our church family way before it ever happened. And it comes here um, in chapter 4 of Numbers. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Take a census of the sons of Koath from among the children of Levi. Now we know Levi was the tribe that was to be given to the service of the Lord. They were the priests. They were the ones who would work in the temple, who were doing ministry full time. And by their families, by their father's house, In the verse that got me many years ago was verse 3, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. 
Remember, I was just reading through, and I don't know if you're reading the Torah, but sometimes you guys might read it like me. It's just like, <gasps> got to get it done. You just start reading, but the Lord just stopped me dead <laughs> in my tracks that morning as I was going through chapter 4. You are going to serve, and literally, like, I don't know if God speaks audibly, but I think he has a few times in my life where it was just so clear. You guys ever have that where it's just, you know it's God. He's speaking clearly. He said, son, you're going to be leading a church at 30 to 50. What are you talking about, God? <laughs> I'm doing youth ministry. I love the youth. I'm going to be a youth pastor the rest of my life, period, God. No, you're going to do this. It didn't make sense to me. I had no plans. I don't have a heart to church plant. I don't want to deal with these mom and dads who are ridiculous. I just want to hang with these kids. They are so open. Their whole life is before them. They're honest. They're not playing games. These are the type of people I want to minister to, Lord. And he spoke to me, no, when you are 30, you are going to be leading a church. He spoke that clearly. And then there was a part two to it. When you're 50, you're going to be done serving the church and you're going to give yourself to discipling the younger generation. Like, what does that mean? Well, later I began to dig into these scriptures. Rabbis would quit the service of the Lord at 50 and they'd give themselves to training the new ministers. And that's something that God's really placed in my heart that you're going to do that. Well, as you guys know, uh, some things shook out uh, when I was 29 in my life. We were asked to leave a church, not because of personal sin, but because of sin in a church. Uh, we were asked to leave. Wasn't planning on leaving. Part of it, you know, part, uh, that church was part of my life for 27 years, um, and I was asked to leave. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, broken over it. I loved the youth. I loved the young adults. I loved what God was doing in the church. Pride and sin just really suck, guys. Church split happened because of it. Um, we bounced around for a little bit. We went with a church that was starting as an offshoot of it because we didn't want to see any more division. Everybody was calling, what are you doing? You know, I just hate what Satan was doing. We didn't want to see any more division. So my wife and I went with the group of people and uh, we were there for about six, seven months, and the Lord had spoken to us uh, very clearly. We were doing a youth retreat out at the farm and stuff, and the Lord spoke again, almost audibly, and he spoke, you are free to go. Because I was very uncomfortable with what was going on in the church in the same direction. I saw some things, I saw some of the dangers, and I'm like, Lord, what's going on, you know? Um, so in that, he spoke, you're free to go. So that next week, um, I sat down with the pastors and some things were very evident that shook out that God just really confirmed. It's okay for you guys to go. And Sonny and I, we went and visited a few churches. We actually came here. Uh, there was a church, actually it was up the road, New Song, I think at that time. Uh, they were meeting up at the uh, Commerce Building uh, and they had purchased this building before we came here. Um, and we got to hang out there that Sunday morning. We visited a few churches, and my wife asked, hey, next Sunday, can we just hang out at your, you know, our house and have a Bible study? Sure, okay. Well, we had 12 people show up that Sunday morning for Bible study, and we didn't invite, Jana was one of them, uh, we didn't invite anybody. We didn't, you know, like, hey, guys, we're doing church this Sunday at our house. We didn't invite a person. We had 12 people just show up. That was the Sunday after I turned 30. Now the scripture, I'd forgotten. 
God had spoken that to me earlier. My old Bible, I had the date in it, you know. It was in my 20s, you know. And it wasn't until later going through, I'm like, oh boy, there's that scripture again. And thinking back on it, Lord, you started Freedom Fellowship <laughs> when I turned 30, the week I turned 30. You were faithful to your word. In the weeks after that, we got to a point where we're having about 30 people showing up in my living room, which I l- wish we could still do that. It was so awesome. I just walked downstairs and we could do church <laughs> stuff. And you guys know a little bit of the story. We ended up heading out to the Vandermoss farm because their home is much bigger than ours. And that's where we ended up getting the name Freedom Fellowship because we were meeting in Freedom, Wisconsin. Well, why didn't you guys change the name to Kakana, Wis- or Kakana Fellowship? We're in there. Well, I think Freedom just fits with any church, right? <laughs> There's just so much. I mean, Christ died for what? Freedom's sake, we're told there in Galatians chapter 5. So uh, the name stuck, and I think it'll probably always be with us. But in light of this, I, I've prayed a lot through the years. I have, I have the desire to see us really pour into the next generation. If you guys look around, we have some gray-haired people here. We have an older generation. When the church started, most of us were very young, families just getting married, no kids. And we were actually praying that God would bring in some older saints. Hey, we need that experience. We need that wisdom from our older brothers and sisters. We had no children's ministry. We had a young man who wanted to do children's ministry. And it's like, great, start praying. And within a matter of months, we had like 20 plus children in our church. You're like, okay, you know, you prayed for it, buddy. Here you go, start doing kids' church, you know. Um, and it's just been neat to see God's faithfulness through the years to the church. So for me personally, Freedom Fellowship is just, for me, seeing the faithfulness of God. You know, his promises they're sure. What he says, he does. On my 40th birthday, which is August 21st, I just turned 40. It's the day the eclipse happened, okay? Big deal, right? Everybody's talking the eclipse. It's on the news for weeks. Make sure you have the glasses. Don't burn out your eyeballs and stuff. And as I put on the glasses for the first time, I look up. I feel the Lord telling me as I'm watching the eclipse, you're halfway, you're halfway, you got 10 more years. And in that, I've really been praying since August 21st. What does that look like for me, for our fellowship? How do we gear up for that season when I turn 50? Not that I'm done being a part of Freedom Fellowship or preaching, but there is a season I think the Lord gives. Hey, this is your work. You're to be given this time to that. And guys, I really want to see us in a place where we are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what the church is. But really giving place for that next generation an opportunity for them to step up and serve. That's the church. It isn't ever any one guy or this way or that way. God uses his body for the work of the ministry. And I just want to cast a little bit of vision and how that might look. Like, I have a ton of ideas, and I'm not saying this is what God is going to do or what he's going to have, but I would love to see a mission, ministry, discipleship school for our young people as they graduate from high school, that they're able to have a year, maybe two, just giving themselves to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be in his word 
to be able to have opportunities to actually be in the word and then being doers of the word. Because let me tell you what, and you guys know this, I always encourage all young adults, go to Bible college for a year. Just hang out with Jesus, okay? Life, career, marriage, kids, family, all that stuff most likely is going to happen, okay? But this season of singleness, that opportunity just to seek the Lord, okay? Not many people get that, okay? We're called to it. It should be a lifelong thing. But just have no other priorities, except just seeking. I think that's the most beautiful thing anybody can do. And you can do it at any time. I mean, my mom did it when she was older in life. You know, got to go to Bible college at 50. So you can go when you're 50. But I would love to see, as a seminary, Bible college, stuff's great, okay? But I think it'd be so cool if we as a fellowship were in such a place that we could have... And in my head, I'd love to see that we'd have two different places. Like we'd end up buying two homes somewhere in the valley, one out in the country where they would spend maybe six months on a farm learning how to just, I don't know if you guys catch it or not, but there's a lot of metaphors and analogies speaking into farming, (laughs) okay? A lot can be learned, working with your hands, going through the mundane, the routine. There's principles of sowing and then harvesting. I think a lot of young people never have that opportunity. I know God speaks a lot. One of the most profound conversations I've had in the last 10 years of my life was with a man who works a farm 15 hours a day. What does he do all day? He talks with Jesus. And let me tell you what, it was fun talking with him, the things that God had been speaking to him and teaching him through what? Just working the land? Yeah. I think it'd be so cool to have young people, have them be able to get away from mom and dad, get together with others who are in a place that they're just seeking the Lord too, being able to do life together, um, work the land, and then have another place in town okay, where it'd be more hands-on, like the second six months or something would maybe be, hey, we're going to get involved with nursing homes, going in and providing services for our elderly, going in to the jails, the prisons, learning God's heart for the prisoner, going to the pantry, helping with the poor, practically being doers of the word, not hearers only, but actually how do we live this, how do we do practical ministry? Because that's something God's called us all to do. And one thing I see in the body of Christ, people have a heart to serve, but they're so insecure. I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? Well, man, you're going to go take a year and you're going to learn the word and you learn how to do it. And you're going to have older brothers and sisters who are going to come alongside you, encourage you in it, show you how to do it. Okay, that's what we're doing right now on a mini scale in the church. But don't you guys think that would be really cool for our kids? Just, hey, you're going to have a year just to be set aside to seek the Lord and practically learn how to love people. Learn your Father's heart and do His work. You know, Who knows what God would do with that? So that's what I have in my head, and I would love to be a part of that, teaching into that. As you guys know, I love other churches. I love other pastors. Um, I'm, I'm meeting with three younger guys right now. Um, I love their hearts, and I would love to see something where we actually get the body of Christ at large coming in and speaking into our kids' lives too. It's just like we have so many resources in the body of Christ just working together. What would God do? <laughs> you know, I, I would see something like that would turn this valley upside down. So 
those are just some things that God's put in my heart. Will they come to pass or not? I don't know. I don't even know if we got 10 more years, to be honest with you guys. Um, if you've been around freedom at any length of time, you know the scriptures are packed full of prophecy. And we, you know, the Bible speaks about today more than any other time in history, even more than when Jesus came. And there were a ton of prophecies about that. You know, we don't have long. And I want to finish well. I don't know about you guys but I want us to finish well. And I think that's where this morning as we consider King Asa, I'm hoping that you guys will be encouraged in finishing well and going forward. So if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 14 with me. What did I say, Corinthians? I do that a lot. So if I say Corinthians this morning, I mean Chronicles. (laughs) All right, 2 Chronicles 14. 15 and 16. King Asa, um, most of us, when it's all said and done, we're going to have tombstone. <laughs> you know, here's Landon Churchill. He loved God. That's what I want him. <laughs> you know? Born August 21st, 1977, dash to whenever. Okay? That's probably going to be the only thing that is left. You know, I doubt there will be a book written about me, you know. I think that's probably the case for almost all of us here, okay. There's very few that continue on throughout the ages and who are well known. So, Asa is given what? Three chapters, okay. God saw it fit. I'm going to share this man's life, and it's for a reason. So this morning, guys, as we consider him, let's consider what the Holy Spirit would have. Aiden, you got something? Amen. Leaving legacy is good, right? Amen. So, um, and it is good to remember. Do you guys know how often in Scripture we're told to remember? I was just reading this morning how the um, 12 stones were to be gathered to represent the 12 tribes. Hey, do this in remembrance, okay? And God calls us to do that over and over again. Even if you think for the Jewish people, they three times a year had to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because we're having these festivals, these gatherings, because you need to remember your God. You need to remember what he's done, and it is good to remember. It was good for us to get together last week and to share what God has done over the last 10 years, his faithfulness. It's good to hear this morning. It's good to take time and to remember very important. So, with King Asa, okay, um, he's a man who started well his first 10 years, which we'll read in a second. Um, but he got to a place where he got self-centered, okay, self-sufficient. Um, and I want to use his life this morning as a metaphor for our church. But I also want you guys to understand when we think about this, okay, um, the people are the church, So Asa really is a metaphor for you and I. I want you guys to get that. It's not about Freedom Fellowship. It's not about an organization. It's about the church. It's about us, his people. And the church is very important. The church is there for our well-being. You guys understand that? God has called us to gather locally as believers because he cares for us. Okay, Church is a gift. It is for our well-being. And if you don't see it that way, you're being ripped off. Okay, get your thinking aligned with what God says. Um, also, we're called to be faithful. Okay, so let's pick it up in chapter 14, and we'll begin to look into his life. 
So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they were buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, he reigned in his place. And in his days, the land was quiet, or they had peace, for 10 years, okay? 10 years of good stuff. I look at freedom, okay? It hasn't always been good stuff. There's been hard stuff. But overall, I mean, you really consider all that's been done. There's a lot of good. God's blessed. This is a good thing. And then it tells us in verse 2, Asa did what was good and what was right in the eyes of the Lord. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden images, and he commanded, or commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law uh, and the commandment. And he also removed high places and the incest altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet uh, under him. And he built and he fortified the cities of Judah, and the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them, and, uh, and towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord, and we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. And Asa and an army, actually let's pause there for a second. Um, so you guys catch here, there's 10 years. Asa was entrusted with people in a place, okay? We here at Freedom Fellowship, we've been entrusted with people and he's given us place here in the Fox Valley. We have a place. So we see a lot of similarities. And during those 10 years, hey, we're not going to give in to idols, worshiping this other stuff. And that's one thing that I really see in our church family and something I pray that we continue to do is that we keep things very simple and it's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. We have decisions to make. What does this have to do with Jesus? <laughs> How does this glorify the Lord? We keep things really simple that way. So, um, 10 years in, why don't we, uh, uh, we'll continue on, verse 8. And Asa had an army and 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields, and they drew bows. And all these were mighty men of valor. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out and again or against them with an army of a million men and three hundred chariots, and he came to Marisha. So Asa he went out against them, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephath and Marisha. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, okay, I want you guys to catch it. He cried out, what? Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power, with few. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God, do not let man prevail against us. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah. 
and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Ger. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Don't you guys love this? Verse 12, the Lord struck the Ethiopians like, God's faithful. He is faithful. You know, and all the turmoil that the kingdom was going through at that time, you guys understand that Israel, okay, in Judah, the nation was split at the time. They had different kings, okay? God had been blessing Judah, but we're only told nine of all those kings were actually in a place of pleasing God, okay? And out of those nine, only eight actually finished well. Israel was upset. Their kings were doing crazy things because they were the people were defecting to Judah. They didn't want to be up north anymore. Let's go down there. It's safer. We're being they're being blessed. So Asa, he's dealing with all this stuff. He saw his dad, his grandfather, blow it later in their lives. Okay, he did what was right, what pleased the Lord. He was humble. Did you guys catch that in this prayer? Oh Lord, you can help. You can do anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. If we have many or just a few, <laughs> you're going to do this. So I love that. And you guys might be thinking, well, great, I love this metaphor this morning, Pastor, but what in the heck does this have? We're not going out to war. We don't have a million men coming at us with a bunch of chariots. I believe we're in a much greater battle than any of the battles we have ever read of in Chronicles or Kings or uh, what in the scriptures guys there's a battle over the souls of men today there is a spiritual battle going on we don't fight against flesh and blood we're told you know and we think well that's what a real war looks like that's what a real battle is no there's a spiritual battle that the scriptures speak into so much guys and we're in the midst of it and it's sad because most christians are not discerning. They don't have a clue about what's going on. They don't have an eternal mindset. Their eyes are on the things of this life, the here, the now. They're missing what's really going on, what really matters. And we are in a battle. And the reason why we're missing it is because Satan is a bad king and he's blinded so many people and he's gotten so many Christians who know the truth sidetracked, so caught up into their stuff. So there's a very real battle going on. We need to be aware of that, and we need to understand it's going to be the Lord who helps. Okay, He's a man of war. He's the one who's strong on our behalf. We need to be, because the victory is (laughs) won. We are in him, and the battle belongs to the Lord, and we got to stay in that place and understand that. So what I want to do as we conclude this morning is look at two options that Asa had. The first option that we see for him uh, plays out in chapter 15. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, or Oded, and they went up uh, out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And for a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, without law. But when in trouble, 
they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on all and in the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hand be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Don't you love that? Here's a little pep talk, right? Okay, And I love it. And don't you guys love that we are a part of the new covenant? God's never going to leave us or forsake us. Like I read this, hey, the Lord's with you while you are with him. That makes sense. Okay? But I'm so grateful that doesn't play out that way today for us as believers. Even when we're blowing it, doing our own thing, God promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. That is beautiful. But there is a point There's an exhortation for us as the church here this morning that, hey, we need to be in a place of seeking him. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and he's the rewarder. He rewards that seeking. Church, we need to keep seeking God. But pastor, there's other things to seek. There's good books to read. There's movies to see. We got to do this and do that. No, we got to keep seeking him. First Corinthians. I told you guys if I said Corinthians, don't believe me, but believe me this time. Let's go to chapter 15 real quick. Keep your finger here, First Corinthians chapter 15. I love it. My kids this year on their school shirts, they have First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 is their key verse. Okay? And I love it because the context about it is around the coming of the Lord, the rapture, which anyways, but anyways, <laughs> the point here, guys. Um, is uh, that we need to be in that place of just standing firm. And I love the scripture they picked for their school this year because it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. So he's speaking to us. Hey, you need to be steadfast. Why? Because there is a battle going on. Satan wants to derail us, okay? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You guys understand what we are doing for him, it's not in vain. We need to stand for him. We need to keep going for it. Don't be moved. And it's so easy, church hopping today in the church. I think it's the ugliest thing going on. Nothing ever gets accomplished. Man, what if we just put our hand to the plow and go for it? What fruit's gonna go that? Okay, Friday, I sat here with someone who used to be a pastor of Freedom Fellowship. He's in a place desiring to do ministry. Okay? He got sidetracked. He knows it. And how many people, they get sidetracked. Ministry's lost. Work for the Lord is lost. Why? Because you didn't stay faithful. You got moved. You let Satan get in there. Jesus says, hey, grab a hold of that plow. You don't look back. You just keep going. You keep going. So, I'm exhorted by that scripture. Let's go back to Chronicles. I love the pep talk. But you be strong and do not be, or let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Okay? Well, I want that reward now. Why ain't you getting now? Okay? It's not about that. The fruit, that's of the Lord. 
what happens, that's of the Lord. We just need to be faithful with what he's asking us to do. So, option one. Let's take a look at option two, which we find in chapter 16. Now, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, okay? His first 10 years were great. He did those things that pleased the Lord. Now he's a couple decades in. Let's see what he's up to now. Okay? And I want you guys, as we read this, oh, we'll come back to that thought. Let's just read first. The 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. And then Asa, what did he do? He went and he brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent Ben-Hadad, king of, uh, of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, hey, let there be a treaty between me and you. Who's this king? Syria? Really? Let us make a treaty? Let's use the Lord's money for it. And as there, is, as there was between my father and your father, see, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will draw from me. So where's the prayer from decades before? That's the question I have when I read this. What happened to Esau? What happened to your humility? What happened to trusting in the Lord? Why are you up to your shenanigans? trying to shake things out for yourself. What happened? Well, let's take a read at verse 4 here. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains and his armies against the cities of Israel. And they attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. And then King Esau took all Judah and carried away stones and timber to Ramah and Basha and used for building. And with them they built Geba and Mizpah. So, he was looking pretty good in the eyes of men. Wouldn't you guys say? Hey, look what our king did. His shenanigans shook out. We won. It was good partnering with the world. It was good forgetting God and doing it our own way, trusting in our own riches, our money, right? That pleases man. There's no childlike faith here. I loved Asa in his first 10 years. Hey, this is going to please God. We've got to get rid of this idolatry in the land. We've got to do what's going to honor him, what he's asked us to do. And I think it's easy for churches to start with a lot of zeal, man, we just want to please God. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to glorify him. We want to worship him well. We want to serve him well. We want to love people well. Those are good things. And almost all churches start off that way. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> churches normally start from a good place. But why do so many churches end up being so missing the mark, let's say? How do they turn into... Well, we got to do the things that's going to please men. Because if we keep preaching Christ, keeping things simple, keep doing what God says, people ain't going to keep coming. The money won't keep coming in. 
and we've been doing all these things now to please everybody and make everything happen, and we need the money to keep coming in. I feel bad. Churches get stuck. My prayer is, guys, that we keep Christ the center of what we do. Okay? God adds to the church. If the church keeps growing, I never want to get, you know, be in a place of, oh, how were tithes this week? You know? If you guys don't visit with us, we don't pass a plate. Okay? We have boxes in the front and back where you can give as the Lord leads. Okay? But it's one of those things. There's a lot of times I don't know what's going on with our budget until our one-year annually budget you know, meeting. You know? And I love that. Why? Because it's God's thing. It's God's thing. We're trusting in him. We just want to be faithful to what he's asking us to do. And I think this is a word not just for our church, Okay? As I told you guys before, when we first started, there were a lot of younger families. And for you older saints, you've gone through this season or are going through it. It's easy when you get a little bit older. You start getting a job where it pays a little bit better. There's a little security. You start having 401s. You start planning for retirement. And I see a lot of people, they start putting their hope in that stuff. Hey, things are well. We're set. We're good. If we just keep doing this, keep stashing that, we're going to be good. Guys, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay? We've been doing the pantry for eight years. I don't know how many families came through. They were set, had the Bing home, okay? had the retirement all together. They lost it all. Someone got sick. The economy fell apart. We don't know. We can't trust in that, guys. And that's a tendency we have. It's a tendency I see within the church. And we've got to be very careful of that. We need to stay humble. We need to have that childlike faith. I loved prayer this morning with you guys. We had a group upstairs. You're all welcome. 845 on Sunday mornings. We pray beforehand upstairs. But this morning it was just, hey, honest cries before the Lord. Lord, we know you're it. <laughs> we need your help. You're the answer. We can't do it without you. And I don't want that ever to change for our fellowship. Well, we got it all together. We've got a pastor who can teach. We've got worship teams who have been doing it forever. Everything's rolling along just great. We don't need the Lord anymore. Shame on us if we ever get to that point, guys. So do you guys see the two options here? It's really one or the other. So let's read on and we'll wrap this up. Verse 7, And at that time Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and you have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians in Lumen not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered you into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the prison. And he was enraged and at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. So really, guys, we're called to remember, right? God is faithful. He is there. It is good to remember, okay? Don't despise the days of small things, but I think it's really good for all of us to remember those days. 
remember back when you first got saved. It was scary stepping out in your faith. What is my family going to think? What are my friends going to have to say about this? The world has taught me this my entire life, that this is what it's all about. Now Jesus has crashed into my life. My eyes are now open, and I see there is so much more. This is what life is really about. Man, talk about faith. Talk about trusting. And that's what God wants until the day we're done, guys, is that childlike faith. All right, God, doesn't make sense. I don't understand it all, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to step out. That's what we need to do, brothers and sisters. So we need to remember it's good because the two options are to be humble or to be prideful. And it is easy. Look at what we've accomplished. Look what the church is doing. Look at all these programs, all these people. You know, man, if the church, if God would add to the church and we had a lot more people coming, which I wish more people would come. Why? Because people need Jesus, <laughs> you know? But we need to stay humble. We need to stay humble. We need to keep Jesus the center. Just a few scriptures I'd like to share with you guys as we wrap up. Let's go to Galatians real quick, chapter 3, because I think this really highlights what we saw with Asa's life. Galatians chapter 3. It says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Okay, We have a tendency to do that. Let's not do that. Well, I've been walking with the Lord for a while, Pastor. I've, I've studied the Scriptures. Okay, You said King Asa this morning and I already knew his story. I knew where you are going with it. You know, No. <laughs> we need to be in that place where we don't let pride get in. Okay, we got it all figured out. We don't need you anymore, Lord. We got it. We got this. No, we've begun in the Spirit. We've got to continue on in the Spirit. Go to the middle of your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3. Most of you guys know this scripture by heart, but just in a way of an encouragement for us at Freedom Fellowship, I think it is good for us to look at together because it is the key to life. Personally, it is the key for us as a church family. We got to rely on the Lord. Period. Look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. So we got to keep relying on Him. Verse 7 Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it will be health to your flesh. And it will be strength to your bones. So we find strength. We find health when we are leaning into the Lord. When we keep seeking Him. We need to be a church that is on our knees. That are crying out. That are seeking Him. Pressing into Him regularly, guys. We need to do that. Yeah, we have men's prayer. We have men, women's prayer. Come out. Be a part of those times, guys. Go on retreats. Why? Because that really is a time of seeking the Lord. Getting before Him. Humbling yourself. Relying upon Him. Get into fellowship. It's needed. Let's go all the way towards the end of the Bible. James chapter 4.
My wife asked this morning, is it going to be shorter or longer? I'm like, babe, I have no idea. Like the message I've prepared is really short, but I don't know because I don't have notes. <laughs> it's turning to be out a little longer, but there's just a few sh- more verses I'd like to share with you guys. Just, just that we keep our eyes on Jesus. And really that's what James is laying out for us here in chapter four. Look at verse eight. Draw near to God while, or while he is near to you, okay? We need to do that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. That's important, guys. We're told the pure in heart are going to see God, right? We're told that in Matthew chapter 5. You really want to see God? We need to be pure. A lot of people, I'm going to just continue to do my own thing, be my own God, live in the world, party it up. And I'll come to church on Sunday because, hey, I know Jesus is a Savior. He's my Savior. And I want to, I want to know him more. It ain't going to happen, guys. Okay? Purify your hearts. He sanctified you. You're forgiven. Okay? He's the one that makes us pure. But he wants us to walk in that purity. Don't allow the world to taint you because it will taint your view of God. And you won't be able to see clearly. You won't be able to discern what he's up to. So, purify your hearts. You double-minded. You double-minded. And that's what we see a lot of people, brothers and sisters. They're double-minded. They're being tossed all over. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know. They're all over the place. This and that. No, we got to keep Jesus number one. There's always going to be this and that. There's going to be new exciting things, new churches, new movements, new books. I've been around long enough in the church. I've seen it. You know, People are off to this, off to that, this and that. The saints I like hanging with, hey, <laughs> they might be good things. I might have read them, you know, but it's still all about Jesus. It's just about him staying on track. So Jesus is number one. You guys understand everything else in life is secondary. Everything else is secondary. But you don't understand. This consumes me, Pastor. My kids, they're going through this. Me and my husband, we're in a rough patch. I might be losing my job. I just don't know. (laughs) It's all secondary. If anything in life starts trumping Jesus, you're not in a good place. You need to purify your hearts. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 48. He's towards the middle. If any of you guys are free on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m., we've been going through the Bible. This is our third time going through it. We've been studying through Isaiah. We read this a couple weeks ago and these couple scriptures we find in chapter 48. Isaiah is beautiful. Everything's been awesome. But just a couple verses here in chapter 48. Look at verse 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments then your peace or your well-being would have been like a river. Think about that. Like a river in your righteousness, okay? Like the waves of the sea. Picture that, okay? Righteousness rolling over you. Isn't that beautiful? Man, if you would have just stuck to my commandments, okay? And that's something we take serious. We study the word, okay? Why? Because it's perfect converts the soul. 
It teaches us what's right, what's wrong, how to get right and how to stay right. That's why we study inductively. Okay? We want to take his word. We want to fit our lives according to what he wants. Okay? If you guys ever see us starting to turn the other way, <laughs> please sit down with the leadership, the elders. Hey, what's going on, guys? Okay? What are we doing? No, we need to get back to what God says. Okay? And let me tell you what, there are a lot of things. Hey, what did it tell us in here? Hey, he teaches us to profit, how to profit. God's ways are just good. <laughs> they are. Okay? And some of us worry, well, I need, to, I need teaching on marriage today. Or my finances. I, I want to get those together. I, I, I want a series just on finances, Pastor. I want that now. You know what? The Word of God spells it all out. Just be a little patient. It's in there. We hit on everything eventually. And the cool part is all the important stuff that normally gets neglected by Christians, we don't, we don't have the opportunity just to, oh, we don't want to deal with that because that's kind of hard. No, we're going to deal with it because we're going through the Word of God. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Our ladies have been studying Hebrews on Friday mornings out at Copper Rock North, 8.15, 8.30 in the morning. Okay, Hebrews is phenomenal. It's all about considering Jesus. There's about a dozen of you gals who go out every week. I encourage you, ladies, if you're free on Friday mornings, go join them. Sweet time of fellowship. It tells us here in chapter 2 of Hebrews, therefore we must give a more earnest heed to what? To the things we have heard. Okay? Again, pride gets in there. Oh, I know it. I've heard it. I've studied that. I know this. No, give a more earnest heed to the things you already have heard. Okay? That's very important. Why? Lest you drift away. How many people just end up drifting away? Because they don't pay attention. They stopped hearing. Guys, that's why fellowship is so important. Well, I don't need the church. Yeah, you do. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> Okay, two more scriptures. Uh, keep your finger in Hebrews. We'll come back. I would like to close there. I want you to go to Mark chapter 4. Jesus shares the parable of the sower, the seed, the word of God, and how important that is. We won't, we won't read the whole parable, but I'd like to jump down to verse 16 with you guys. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. So these are different heart conditions. The word of God goes forth. Well, what heart does it hit? What type of heart does it hit? Well, it hits the stony ground. Who hears the word, immediately receives it with gladness. Yeah, the good news, the word of God. Awesome, right? And they have no root in themselves, verse 17 tells us. So, uh, and so endure only for a time. Okay, think about how many people have come. How many believers you've seen get saved. And where are they today? Okay, well, they had stony hearts. They received it gladly. But there's no fruit. They haven't abided. They haven't continued on in the faith. And it says here afterwards, they don't endure for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation, so hard times come. Okay, Ugh, things are not shaking out the way I want. 
I'm not getting what I want. I'm out of here, okay? Tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake, and immediately they stumble. Guys, you understand that there's going to be hard times in life. We're called to what? Be steadfast. We're going to have hard times. We've had hard times at freedom through the years. Be steadfast, okay? And then good times. Look at verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. And they're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, and they choke the word. So people receive the word, they start growing, but the cares of the world are like these weeds that come, and they choke you out. They're killing you because you care more about the world than you care about God. And it says, and it becomes unfruitful. So things can be good. Hey, things are happening. I'm making good money, providing, things are lining up. Do you guys know that good and bad things can derail us? What does God want? When God wants, and this is our, my prayer, our prayer for us as a church family that we would fall in this last category. Look at verse 10. But these are the ones sown on good ground, that we'd have hearts that are soft. Okay? Good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it. They say, yeah, God, you're right. <laughs> I'm wrong. You're right. And what do they do? They hear it, they accept it, and then they bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. You guys are 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold Christians. Your faithfulness, just to stick with the Lord. Even through the hard things, the good things, you know that Jesus is number one. <laughs> You're going to continue to see, you know, seek him. And you are being fruitful. You might think, no, not doing a whole lot. No, you're being fruitful. That's what God wants for us, saints. All right, let's go back to Hebrews. This will be the last passage. Chapter 10 this time. All right, now I'm kind of wrapping up in a way of an exhortation, and I hope that we will all receive this morning. Verse 19 of chapter 10 in Hebrews, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure uh, water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir what up love and to stir up good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. Okay? The day is approaching. God says, don't give up on fellowship. You, you're, you're my child. You're my kid. You're a believer. 
You need to be in fellowship. You need to go to church. Don't forsake that. And then jump down to verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done well, or sorry, done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming, he will, uh, he will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. Guys, he's faithful to the end. The work he's begun, he's going to complete. He is faithful. We got to do our part. <laughs> do you want to finish well? I want to finish well. I want to finish with you guys. Are we going to do it? I hope so. There's a cost in it. There's sacrifice. But let me tell you what, he's worthy of it, isn't it? So, let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves this morning. We give thanks for all that you have done, that you are the Savior of the world, that you gave your only begotten Son, you laid your life down upon that cross to be that perfect sacrifice. We give thanks to you, Father, for all that you have done, all that you have accomplished. We thank you for your will, for your desires, for your heart. God, and we want, we want to come alongside you. We want our hearts to beat with yours. God, we want to care about the things that you care about. We want to be about your business. You're our dad. We're thankful just for Freedom Fellowship. God, that we've been a part of the family business. And I know there's things that you want to do. You've done so much, Lord, and we want to, we want to stay open to your leading in tune to the Spirit. So we just pray, we cry out for that help. You've helped us so far, and we're trusting you to complete, to continue to do. So we thank you ahead of time. And we do pray, Father, that you just would please use us to be a light, Lord, throughout this valley, throughout the world. Let us not take for granted all that you have for us things you want to give to us. Help us to humbly receive that we would be able to do, Lord, all that you would be asking. And it is for your glory. You are so good. God, this world needs you. They need hope. They need a Savior. And Jesus, <laughs> you're the risen Christ. You are the Savior of this world, Lord. Help us to share you well to the day you come to get us or the day we go home to be with you. We pray in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.